0: Hey, Jonathan, it's Athena Athens from Little Lost Girl Media and Wasting Time with Athena Athens. Thanks for being my pal. I really love your podcast. In fact, it was on my top podcast list on Spotify. And I got a question for you. What is your favorite Christmas album?
1: Athena, thank you for the question. And for the answer... I would say nine out of 10 times, I would pick the Chipmunks Christmas album as being my favorite of all time. Mainly just because I love the Chipmunks so much and grew up with them. And it was a staple of listening when I went to my grandparents' house when I was a young kid. So I still just associate that album with Christmas. And um, anybody who doesn't like the Chipmunks... Um, should be dealt with in a timely manner and have cool put in their stockings. <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, I love the Chipmunks, and that would be my answer. Like I said, nine times out of ten, uh, the Christmas album by the Chipmunks. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the question, and Merry Christmas to you and yours. <laughs>
2: Get ready. That was very good, Simon. Very good, Theodore. Uh, Alvin, you were a little flat. Watch it, uh, Alvin. Let's not overdo it. it. Now it, wait a yeah. minute, boys. Wait, Leonore, just a
1: minute. Simon, will you cut that out? Get off. Hello and thank you for joining the special episode of This Is Just a Phase. I'm your humble host, Jonathan Kent. This is a special episode where I'm getting asked questions. That's right. Fans and past guests of the show have turned the tables on me and are asking me the questions. So I'm going to try to do my best to answer these questions to the best I can. And this episode is also very special because it's also the last episode of season two. Uh, I want to thank everybody who uh, continues to show uh, support to the podcast and continue to listen in uh, every episode. It means a lot to me, and I want to thank you very much. And I also want to send out my happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa uh, to everybody who is listening, as well as sending out uh, Happy New Year's to everybody. And before we continue with this episode, I just want to remind everybody uh, to please continue to follow us on uh, Spotify, as well as uh Apple, iTunes, Google Podcast, Anchor, or wherever else you listen to your podcast. As well as continue to check out the Facebook group at This Is Just a Phase for all your updates. And TikTok at T-I-J-A-P Podcast uh, for a lot of the same information. And you can follow me directly on Facebook at Jonathan.Kent.311. And uh, I think that's it. So let's continue with this episode, and again, Jay, let's go.
2: You've got no motivation and you've got no self-steam. there's a whole side head with the vision to be seen, let's go. They okay, wake up with the same words.
0: Hi, John. Fast Buck Freddy here. goes without saying I'm a big fan. My question is, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? No, that's not it. I mean, who killed Marilyn? No. Dang it. Anyway, my real question is how has being a music fan changed for you? As you've aged and taken on different roles, music fan, then as a musician, now a promoter, podcaster, and a label owner. Thanks.
1: Freddie, thank you so much for your question. And it's a good one at that. Um, How has things changed over time for me as a music fan? I think as a kid, music was just something that I was getting exposed to, you know, mainly from mainly as a little kid, you know, the radio. And as I got older, uh, MTV played more of a role Um, and also influence from, from family and then eventually friends. Um, and I always, always, you know, gravitated towards maybe the more rock side, even though I did enjoy early hip hop as well. Um, but I always had a tendency to lean to the rock and, you know, but it all, but music always felt like somebody else's. Um, and then Nirvana happened when I was 10, when they exploded Um, and then that was the first time I felt like there was a band that, that spoke directly to me and it kind of opened up a, a door for me to explore all kinds of music. And then Green Day happened and I was like, oh, okay, this, this music really resonates with me and it, you know, doing that between Nirvana and, and the punk explosion, uh i you know i wanted to learn as much about uh every band i was listening to and who their influences were and i wanted to know everything about them and that laid the groundwork for me towards how i how i looked at music in the long run um and that was just being a fan as far as being a uh musician having played in bands I looked at that part it I appreciate music is how, how tough it is to, to construct a song and, um, how hard it is to try to get your stage presence and, um, get your music across to people. And it, it showed me, it gave me a lot of respect towards other musicians who have done it on a bigger scale. Um, as far as a record label owner and a promoter, um, my thoughts going into that is wanting to listen to, you know, support local bands was always really important to me because where where I come from, and you can relate, Freddie. Um, not a lot of focus gets put on, you know, the Western Pennsylvania or the Eastern Ohio scene. Um, and so anytime bands start around here you know, even outside of shows that I played, it was always important to me to go pay three, four bucks and catch a basement show or catch a uh, Knights of Columbus Hall show or catch a, um, a show at a local bar and, and support those bands and um, have them kind of leave a lasting imprint on who I am. Uh, I think... Uh, the local scene has left an imprint on me greatly. And wanting to promote shows and wanting to run a label is important because I've seen so many great bands kind of fall through the cracks that I want them to be heard. And if me starting a label or me promoting shows is getting these bands heard on a, on a bigger scale, then uh, it's worth for me to do it. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with financial gain. It doesn't have anything to do with a pat on the back. It has to do with wanting to get that music across. And I think that's something that me and Mike have done a really good job with the label and promoting of the shows. And honestly, I can sleep pretty good at night knowing that i've I've contributed even some small manner to getting these bands heard and appreciated from other people. Uh, Freddie, thank you so much for the question and happy holidays to you and yours and a happy new year into 2023. Uh, Talk to you soon, man. Thanks for the question.
2: salutations. This is Sasha Moreau from United Defiance. And Jonathan, this
0: question is for you. I was curious as to what your favorite book is and why. (coughs) Uh, Looks like I just got the penalty bell. All right, let's let's check this out. This just in. Dear Sasha, it's the 21st century for crying out loud. Not everyone likes to read these days, nor do they have the time. You posh bastard. Please ask a better question. Sincerely, deus ex machina. Okay, Uh, Jonathan, this revised question is for you.
1: What is something that you have read throughout the course of your life, be it online, in a blog, or an article,
2: or in a book, but something that is going to stick with you, something that has deep personal meaning? What is it and why? That's your question. Keep up the great work that you're doing. Sasha, out.
1: Sasha, thank you so much for your question. I'll try to break this question down into sections, and I'll start with an individual book. Uh. My favorite story of all time is a book by an author named Lois Lowry called The Giver. I read this book. I must have been seventh or eighth grade. We had to read it for school. And I think a year before that, we read another one of her books called Number of the Stars. But The Giver really resonated with me a lot more. It's, it's a story that's set in a society which you could call like an utopian society. But as the story progresses, it, it becomes more dystopian in nature. The society has taken away pain and strife by converting to what they call sameness, which is basically a plan to take emotional depth out of everyday lives. Uh, to preserve order, it, the society lacks any color, climate, terrain, any sense of true equality. Or uh, a true sense of equality, excuse me. The, uh, m- the main character of the story is named Jonas. He's a 12 year old boy who is selected to inherit a position of receiver of memory, which is a person that stores all the past memories of the time before sameness came to be. And it's his struggle uh, trying to learn all these new concepts of, of emotions and all these things being introduced to him whether good or, or bad, or, or is somehow in between. And he learns all this information by a character called The Giver. Um, it's, it's a truly great story, and I implore anybody to check it out. They made a movie, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago, but when it comes to books and movies, I I generally, if I've read the book first, I try to avoid watching the, the movie so I'm not disappointed uh, some people do that with like other series too, like Harry Potter or whatever. But so I guess in a way, this is kind of my Harry Potter. I, I, you know, I don't want to watch the movies because I love the book so much, but I would employ anybody to check it out. That's my favorite. As far as like a book series, my favorite of all time is from an author named Sue Grafton. It's called the alphabet murders. It starts with a is for alibi and goes all the way through. Y. sadly, uh, Sue Grafton passed away before Z could be released, and I don't think her family has any plans on releasing that. But um, I would implore anybody to check out that series uh, for, like, uh, uh, a crime thriller, uh, something that uh, you can kind of, you know, continue. The main character is uh, a woman named uh, Kinsey Milhoun. Uh, I'm a big fan of her character in general and how how she makes it through each individual story and, and how they connect as the series went on. I've read a lot of her books, uh, listened to a lot on audiobook, and it still maintains my, as, as still maintains as being my, my favorite series. As far as anything outside of books, magazines, or, or just articles in general, anything that has to do with music, anything that has to do with bands, labels, scenes, I'm constantly checking out new articles. I'm constantly checking out Wikipedia sites uh, to get new information uh, from bands I didn't know much about or scenes I didn't know much about. Um, Just trying to take in as much music information as I can has always been very important to me. But I hope that answers your question, Sasha. And uh, happy holidays to you and your family. And I hope you have a happy new year on to 2023. Uh, bless everybody. Talk to you soon. Thanks.
2: Welcome to the Coke Club.
1: comes from Brie from allegedly records and she asked me would I be would I rather be constantly sticky or always itchy? Hmm let me think about that this is an easy answer for me I would have to say constantly sticky I hate being itchy during the winter my my legs are always itchy and I it fucking drives me crazy so this is the easy one for me. I'd rather be constantly sticky. Uh, that's what she said. And Bree, happy holidays and happy New Year's to you and yours.
2: Hey, John, long-time listener, fourth-time caller. This is Mike, your longtime friend and uh, the man behind the curtain. This is just a record label. So question I was just thinking about here. In your opinion, who is the best drummer in punk rock, and why is it Bill Stevenson?
1: First off, Mike, thanks for the great question. And secondly, yes, your answer is correct. Bill Stevenson. He is the best punk drummer of all time. But if I were to make a top three list of best drummers of all time, regardless of genre, my top three would be Neil Peart from Rush. Bill Stevenson from Descendants All in Black Flag. And third, Ginger Baker from Cream. Thanks for the question. Happy Holidays.
2: What will it be like when I get old? Will I still hop on my bike and ride around town? Will I still want to? someone not just sit around i don't want to be like other adults cuz they've already died go on this
1: Jonathan Kent, Matt Alive here from the Our Brains Hurt podcast, Um, and I was just kind of hoping that you could put an end to the age-old argument of, are there pubes in heaven? I'll wait. (laughs) Matt, thank you for the question. Are there pubes in heaven? My answer, if I was really to have to sit down and think about it, I would say no, there's no pubes in heaven. You want to know why? because heaven anything goes. you can have sex, have orgies, do whatever, and you know what? who the fuck wants to deal with pubic hair? That's gross, and nobody's a fan. This isn't nineteen seventies anymore with mega bushes. Everybody is bald every because you know what bald is beautiful. And you can just chow down up there in heaven. That's my answer. I hope you like it, Matt. Happy holidays to you and yours. Hey, this is Sam Sinister from Zeniophile's and from Angry Hour Cleveland and from the upcoming monthly Friday Night Ska Club. Um, and my question to John is, how do you feel about... Well, two questions. How do you feel about the uh, resurgence of popularity of cassette tapes? And uh, what was your favorite cassette tape that you played over and over again until it wouldn't play anymore? Sam, thanks for the question. First off, what do I think about the resurgence of cassettes? Well, I think it's cool. Uh, Any trend throughout the years, whether it's records, CDs, now cassettes... Is a good thing. Um, do I think they're the best quality of of how to listen to music? No, but I think it's cool. I, I look at it more as a, a novelty thing, um, just because I I mean I, even though I do have a cassette player still, I I don't find myself personally going after cassettes. I'm more of a fan of probably CDs and vinyl more than anything, but I think it's cool because you know if people are into it and and they'll buy it, then you know it's part of the uh, you know, part of the money machines. You know, if people are interested in, I you know I have a friend who runs a a a track label, and I mean, if people want them and, and there's a way to purchase them, then you know, cool, go out and grab them. But me personally, I think it's more of a more of a fad. Um, but what was the one cassette that I probably listened to the most? Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, when I was really young, I had uh, a. Cassette by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince called Rock the House. And I remember I must have been like six or seven. I would listen to that thing on repeat constantly. And I don't know. I don't even know if I still own it. I think I do. But I I wouldn't be able to tell you if it plays. Um, If it's not that one, a close second would be uh, my cassette of the Pixies, Doolittle. I remember the summer of 97, uh, constantly listened to that cassette. Uh, I purchased it at a flea market, and it became one of my favorites, and I probably listened to that thing a million times. But I hope that answers your question, Sam. Happy holidays to you and yours, man.
3: Hey there, freaks and losers. <laughs> this is Nick from Lesser Creatures. Hey, and I've got a question for you, John. So, you're always interviewing everyone about their bands and their projects and their shit. So, tell us a little bit about your past bands, and if you've got any music
1: projects you're working on currently. Thanks, John. Love you and love the show. Bye. Hey Nick, thanks for the question. The very first band I ever played in was a garage band, uh, kind of a pop punk band called the Barney Killers that I started with two friends from summer camp. It must've been 95, I wanna say 95. And I, started, I must have been 14 years old. It was the summer. And I was just learning how to play guitar. So I was playing a lot of bar chords. Um, and we were covering like stuff like the Ramones and Green Day. And just kind of learning how to play our instruments. Um, never went anywhere outside of the garage. But that would I would call that my first quote unquote band. Even though we never really did anything with it. Um, when I was 17, I started a a uh, project with my best friend Sam called Labrat, and it was uh, a digital hardcore project where I sang and Sam did uh, his did made music with his drum machine and sampler, and we actually performed at our senior year talent show. Um, we didn't win, sadly, because you know people don't appreciate art in in, in small Podunk, Pennsylvania town, but. Um that was a we did a cassette I think we did like maybe four or five songs with that project. Uh one being called Beginning to Fray that that was the one that we did at the talent show. Uh a couple years later I I kind of moved around a little bit and I came back to the, the town where me and Sam lived and uh, he had a band going on called The Runs and uh at the time he had a member leave and he wanted me to come in and play bass. So I learned how to play bass and I joined the runs and we played together for almost a year and um, put out uh, a full length uh, that was recorded by a good buddy of ours. And I don't know, I'm sure there's people around uh, Western Pennsylvania and Eastern Ohio that has that CD somewhere. Um, It was called, uh, We Don't Know What Our Problem Is. And uh, if you have a copy, consider yourself lucky or unlucky. Um, after the runs uh, broke up, me and Sam started a, another band called The Reversatiles with my brother-in-law, Chris. Um, I was originally supposed to play second guitar, but we needed a drummer uh, because our drummer didn't work out. So I learned how to play drums for that band. And we lasted for about a little over a year uh, put out one album and that was it. After the Reversatiles broke up, I played in a couple projects. Um, one was an indie rock uh, project called Caledonia. I was also, also did uh, a hardcore band briefly called Rotten Incarnate. But then I had, you know, then my daughter was born, and I bowed away, and I didn't do anything for about six or seven years. And I did a project with a couple of my buddies called The Nervous Rex. That never really took off or did anything. And now, over the last year and a half, I've been working on a project called The Shanks. Uh, that I put out a single a couple months back called Body. And it's just me and... Um, uh, a couple apps uh, that I use uh, to make music, and it's kind of garage punk and sound, uh, real lo fi but um, I'm hoping to have the, the full length out next year, uh, and we're going to put that out on the record label. Uh, I hope that answers your question, Nick. Happy holidays to you and yours, and uh, all the love to you, man.
3: CIA is listening to me. My thoughts got that microchip. My camera only sees what they see. The government is watching me. The CIA, FBI, and probably they all want the latest info on me. The average citizen being controlled daily. Inductions now are real. I get it; these are always easy
2: to steal, but I get my stuff and email that I need. And there are always these precious deal The social media is watching me Facebook, Twitter, Instagram,
3: probably They all conduct things of me. The average citizen being controlled daily Ten conspiracy theories I think the CIA is the to me My thoughts got on my grocery My camera only sees what they see The government is watching me The CIA, FBI and Fox News probably They all want the latest info on me The average citizen being controlled daily The social media is watching me Facebook, Twitter, Instagram probably They all conduct things different of me the average citizen being controlled daily. The government is watching me. 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 The
0: Yo, it's John from Kelsey Bad Grammar, coming in hot with a question for you, my guy. Jonathan, I wanted to know, uh, what accomplishment do you feel the most proud of so far with the work you've done with the label to date? Uh, And yeah, Merry Christmas. Bye, gotta go see ya. Bye, okay, see ya.
1: Hey John, thanks for the question. Uh, This one's an easy one. Uh, What do I think is my biggest accomplishment with the record label? I would simply say it's putting out music by uh, great bands uh, that I'm able to help get their music heard. Um, for a long time, uh, I heard a lot of. I've seen a lot of bands come and go, and never really get the attention I thought they deserved. And I wanted to use what little influence I have in uh, the scene to get these bands that I think are really good uh, the ability to be heard on a larger scale. Um, I'm proud of every band uh, that we've put out or that we're putting out. I believe in what we do. I believe in the band's uh, ability to write good songs, and um, I think they deserve all the attention that they've been given. And I'm just happy to be a small footnote in, in their career as bands, and hopefully I can try to help them to the best of the, my ability uh, by promoting them heavily, by putting on shows. Uh, I just want bands to be heard. Uh, bands that I really like to be heard and uh, if we sell a couple copies of something then I'm then I'm proud because a couple people have uh, that CD in their hand and you know and the the name of the record label on it is just a small part of the larger scale of this band making something really powerful and I'm happy just to be a part of it so I'm accomplished of every band we've we've put out every show I've thrown um uh, what me and Mike do is just for the, the the pure love of it. And I hope that comes across with, with every release that gets put in somebody's hands. Uh, thanks for the question. Happy holidays to you and your family. Uh, thanks again, man. All the love. Um, these next several questions are from Rick of Gatlin. I'm going to answer each individual question as quick as I can because um, there's quite a bit of them. So I'm going to start with the first one. Is the podcast label making an impact that you have seen? I I think the podcast is making a a pretty good size impact. Um, I think it also depends on uh, various episodes. Some are are probably played more than others. But I think it's made an impact on how people uh, check out new bands and um, new labels and other podcasts. Um, my whole goal with the podcast is try to get shine a light on, on, on these people. And, um, you know, if I can do it on a, on a, on a small scale, then I'm happy just to be a part of it. But I, I think it definitely has an impact. Uh, I have lo- loyal listen- listenership, uh, that should goes out and tries to check out, uh, every episode when they can. Uh, so I, I believe it's having an impact. Uh, how great that is, I'm not sure. Uh, I just know it's it's having some sort of impact. It, it, if if it wasn't, um, I wouldn't be having so much fun doing it. But um, as far as the label, I think the label is having an impact uh, locally, uh, more so than anything, uh, just because the majority of the bands on the label, yours included, are are local bands to the to the Youngstown area um but you know what people purchase you know uh, albums you know purchase the CDs from all across the country and even some international sales as well so it's making an impact as long as i'm getting uh, a really great product into somebody's hands uh, i feel like that's an impact um your second question is what is it like getting to be a part of so many people and bands and what are you learning from them um you know, basically, this one's a tough one. Good. I love being around people. I love meeting new people. I love meeting new bands. I love checking out bands. I love the feeling of that connection between audience and 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 the band, and how there's no barrier between that. Um, so, getting to meet new bands and new people is always a part of, uh, always a big part of, of what I enjoy about the punk rock scene, and what I learn about uh what i learned from them is is why I, why i love the punk rock scene so much is is how interactive members are from bands and um being able to take something away from them like their personalities and what got them into playing music and um trying to build a, a strong relationship with them and you know because I, I, I want them to be successful, whether or not I'm a, 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 a part of their, um, whether, whether or not I'm putting out their music. I, I just want them to know that I appreciate what they're doing and uh, just get to know them as, as uh, people and hopefully become their friends. And uh, that's important to me. Uh, your third question is, have you noticed any similarities in band members commitment? Um, I, I've been pretty lucky. I, I feel like every band uh, that, that we've put out, um, has a level of commitment that they can be at, you know, uh, most of us are in our thirties, forties. Um, we have families, we have kids, we have, you know, we're married, we're, you know, no, nobody's going out there touring 180 days a year. So they give, you know, as long as they practice once a week and, and and write really good songs and play when they can. I I feel like that's a that's as good as a commitment you could hope. Um, I haven't really noticed anybody, um, not putting in the work. Um, I, I've been lucky enough to have very little drama, uh, with bands since we started the label. So, um, yeah, I think everybody commits as much as they can, and as long as they do that, I I, I feel like that's great. Um, the next question is advice for local and new bands practice and play as much as you can, uh, go out there, get your name heard. Um, the one thing that I love since, uh, the pandemic has been lifted is a lot of new bands going out there and trying to make a name for themselves. And, you know, there's enough venues out there, even though tons, tons of clothes, there's still tons of venues out there that you could play in and, you know, you're not going to get paid great, but. Just go out there and get your name heard because somebody's going to pay attention to you. Somebody's going to come across you. Um, you may get lucky and have somebody like me come across and be like, listen, I really like your band and you know, I want to help you get to the next level. Um, and your last question is, what keeps you going? Where's the motivation coming from to put out so much into these interviews and bands? The motivation is the love, the love of the scene. Uh, I've been a part of the punk scene since I... Was thirteen years old. I've been going to shows since I was fifteen. Um, I, I've I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of bands and be friends with a lot of bands, and and the punk scene has always been very important to me. So to get bands known who are a little bit more of on a smaller scale to get heard by more people is just an important. It's just important to me, and that's my motivation. My love of the scene. Uh, it's brought me so much over the years. It it brought me many of my 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 bestest friends, and it gave me um, it gave me uh, a way to get through some of the darker times in my life, and now to be able to share it with people, and and more importantly, get to share it with my children and my and my wife is is important to me. So, Rick, I hope that answers all your questions. Uh happy holidays to you and your family. Thanks again. All love.
2: Left out the other town, try to find myself away. I barely see it. Jonathan this is Jay Prozac I was wondering if you were planning on making an annual event out of the uh, record label uh showcase shows I think that'd be really cool and I was just curious if you had thoughts of making that a thing
1: hey Jay thanks for the question um the answer to your question is a loud yes I would like to do another showcase show for the label. The first one uh, that we did um, had a wonderful turnout. Um, a lot of great bands were a part of it. Um, Vermin's, Gatlin. Um, we had uh, less than expected. We had 2 a.m. We had half past late. Uh, it was a great show. And um, the turnout was incredible, as I said. Uh, the environment was just so the environment was perfect. The, the bands all played incredible. Uh, a lot of people inquired about um, future releases for the label. Uh, there was a nice buzz in the air, and it's definitely something I plan on doing uh, here in the next several months. Um, we have some incredible uh, releases coming up and definitely want to get these bands uh, out there playing and to support those releases. So, yeah, the answer to that question is astounding, yes. Um, And I hope uh, people continue to support the label. And when we do these showcase shows, they come out and check out the bands uh, because it's a great time. Uh, Jay, thanks again for the question. All the love to your family. Happy holidays.
2: No matter how hard I try to find two or three dudes that can get it together long enough to be an actual band. No matter how hard I try to find two or three dudes That can get it together Long enough to be An actual band No matter how hard I try to find two or three dudes That can get it together Long enough to be An actual An actual An actual An actual band And it always seems to fail Yet always falls apart Someone please post my mail And help me escape this lonely Lonely place in my heart This lonely place in my heart This lonely place in my heart This lonely place in my heart heart. Place in my heart. This only 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 place in my heart. My heart. Only my
3: heart what's up Jonathan this is Ron from our brains hurt with a question for you I had this discussion with somebody recently who do you think is the greatest guitar player of all time and if if you were going to start a metal band who would you pick as your guitarist if you could pick anybody living or dead if it's not the same person that you think is the greatest guitarist of all time. For example, for me, I personally think Stevie Ray Vaughan is the greatest guitarist of all time, but if I was going to start a metal band, I'd want Dimebag from Pantera. So, greatest guitarist of all time, who would you pick as a guitarist to start a metal band? All right, man, take care.
1: Hey, Ron, thanks for the question. Um, love the question, by the way, and it, I really had to sit and think about this one. Uh, not the first part of the question, but definitely the second, the first part of your question, who do I think is the greatest guitarist of all time? Uh, I would agree with you and say Stevie Ray Um, my dad had me listen to him, uh, when I was real young, uh, his work with double trouble, um, was exceptional. Um, I just never Heard a guitar player who played that way before ever in my life, and uh, played with such emotion and 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 just, uh, just I don't know. It just really made a really strong impact on me as as a young child, and as I got older, uh, I appreciated his work uh, on a larger scale through that time. So I would say Stevie Ray Vaughan for sure. Uh, a close second for me though would be uh, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, being a left-handed guitarist, uh, and 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 play and getting exposed to him at a young age and and seeing what he could do with the guitar, it made me feel more comfortable. Uh, being able to pick up the guitar and not have to try to conform to how other people played. Uh, largely my dad tried to get me to play right-handed, just never felt right. But knowing that there were left-handed guitar players like Hendrix and Tony Iommi and uh, Tim Armstrong and, and Kurt Cobain, it, uh, it allowed me to feel more comfortable playing guitar as a left-handed person. As, as far as if I were to start a metal band, this might come across a little bit uh, as an odd selection, but uh, Paige Hamilton from Helmet. Um, I know he's not known for being a very virtuoso metal guitarist, um, but I liked what he was doing in the confines of hardcore and metal, uh, really putting a emphasis on using his guitar to convey something different than just a solo. Um, but being able to manipulate his guitar and make it making it make noises that that you weren't, um, used to hearing in metal, the, 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 the squeaks and the squalls and, um, The sludginess of his guitar playing. It was the nice bridge in between uh, hardcore and metal that just I was more interested in than, you know, your virtuoso guitarists like, you know, uh, 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 Vi or or Van Halen or or Eric Clapton. I was just more into that guitar style as um, that to me was. It was more based on emotion than, than how skillful you were as a player. So, yeah, uh, Paige Hamilton from, from Helmet would be the, the, um, the guitar player um, that I would start a band with. Uh, thanks for your question again, man. I hope I answered it good enough, man. Um, happy holidays to you and your family. All the love to you, man. Bye. This question comes from Drew Safari of the band's Noodle Brain and Sex Stream. He asked, John, if you were to have a basement show or throw a basement show, what three bands, alive or dead, defunct or still playing, would you have be a part of this basement show? Well, this is an easy one. The first band's an easy one. And this band, I never had the pleasure of seeing live. Um they broke up when I was fairly young. I must have been 15 or 16 when they broke up and I never had the ability to go see them and that band was The Ramones. Um I have a lot of friends who have uh had the opportunity to go see them play and I just missed out on that and it would definitely be The Ramones and they'd be the fucking headliner of course. <laughs> The second band would be one that might throw a little bit of a curveball to most people, but um, just because of the fun vibe and the eclectic nature of their sound, I just think it would be a really fun band to have be a part of a show. Would be sublime. Uh, another band I never had the opportunity to go see live. Uh, this band was a band that I discovered. And uh, soon after discovering them, um, they were no longer a band. Uh, So the original lineup of Sublime, uh, not that with Rome bullshit, but uh, the original lineup of Sublime would definitely be a a fun band to to have do a house show. And uh, a third band uh, that I would pick to uh, do a house show with would probably be uh, one of my favorite hardcore bands of all time. Um, I would pick uh, probably one of uh, Keith Morse's projects, uh, either Off or The Circle Jerks, uh, would round out that show. Um, Anything he does is some of my favorite stuff coming out in hardcore punk. And the fact that this guy is still doing it in his 60s is beyond incredible so yeah the ramones sublime and uh either off or circle jerks uh featuring keith morris uh those would be my uh three bands i hope i answered your question good drew happy holidays to you and your family man
0: Greg Slawson, and this is a question from my ebook of punk rock trivia called Punk Rock Trivia Rules OK. And it reads like this. And of course, this is designed to get some discussion and debate going. So here's the question Which one was the earliest use of, quote, punk rock, unquote? A. It was used as a derogatory term by the UK press. B. It was used by early patrons of CBGB to describe bands and spread by word of mouth. C, it was used in a song by a London pub rock band. Or D, it was used by rock critics in the U.S. So have fun with this one.
1: Greg, thank you for your question. Um, This one's a little difficult to answer, and I think you're right. It does open up uh, some debate. So anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you could comment... Uh, in the link that I'm going to provide on this episode of the podcast, you can weigh in on as well. Um, The first time the term punk was used, it was used to describe somebody who was more or less a submissive uh, person in jail, basically a prison bitch. Uh, You would be somebody's punk, um, meaning you would, you know, essentially take it in the ass (laughs) Um, but as far as the music context is, um, applied, I believe it was first used by the American press, uh, to describe, uh, the bands coming out of Detroit in the late sixties, uh, mainly the MC five and the Stooges, uh, to describe their music as being something other than, uh, typically heard by, uh, the mainstream, um, record labels at the time I mean they you know these bands weren't sounding like Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin or or yes or bands like that they were very much stripped down to um the that the the bass garage sound um and it was seen as being punk meaning uh being somewhat inferior to what was being um seen in the mainstream. Um, and years later, it was also used to describe uh, the the quasi glam scene of bands like uh, the New York Dolls and uh, the Heartbreakers. So um, I believe it was used by it was used for those Detroit bands and those uh, early seventies New York bands. And uh, I believe in nineteen seventy five. 1974, 1975 is when Punk magazine started uh, by uh, Legs McNeil, and that was the first time uh, Punk was used as a uh, direct correlation with the bands. Um, I hope that's uh, um, a not necessarily a right answer, but it uh, raises some uh, some debate with that question. Thanks again, Greg. Happy holidays to you and yours.
0: Hey, Jonathan, it's Fowler from The Distractions. So my question for you is, if you could start any all-star band, who would the musicians be? Why would you pick them? And what do you think they would sound like?
1: Hey, Fowler. This is another tough question. I would start with the most easier position first. Drummer that would be Bill Stevenson of the descendants all in black flag by far the best punk drummer of all time. He would have to sit behind the kit and along with the singer would probably be the ones one writing the songs. Um, that being said, I'm going to slip over to bass and say one of my favorite bass players of all time, which is fat Mike from no effects. Um, I just love his bass playing. I know people are gonna say better bass players like Carl Alvarez of Descendants and All or or Matt Freeman from Rancid, but I'm gonna go with Fat Mike on this one. Guitar player, one of my favorite guitar players in punk rock ever is John Jughead Pearson from Screeching Weasel, even in Blackouts and The Mopes. Uh, I would pick him. I just love his guitar style. I love the way that he plays. Um, very different from most guitar players. Um, I just like his style. I've always been a fan of Screeching Weasel uh with him in the band. Um, I would pick him as my guitarist. And as far as my vocalist, I would pick Chad Price of all. My one of my favorite punk vocalists of all time. I feel like all is a hugely underrated band. And, um, mainly, uh, Chad Price era of the, dis- uh, of all is very underrated. Um, Mass Nerder and Problematic are amongst my favorite all albums. And, uh, I just love his, I just love his voice. Even the stuff that he does with, uh, Drag the River. Um, I just really enjoy, um, he also has another band called A Vulture Awakes, um, I just love his voice, and uh, one of my favorite uh, all songs of all time um, is sung by him. So my all-star band would be Bill Stevenson on drums, Fat Mike on bass, John Jughead on guitar, and Chad Price. And what would they sound like? Well, honestly, I think they would sound like a melodic uh, hardcore punk band, I guess. (laughs) Um, With all those pieces in play, I I feel like it would be a very fast band, a very melodic band uh, with the vocals. Um, And that's the exact kind of sound that I could see them making and uh, loving that band and wanting them to sign to my label, uh, even though they'd probably get courted by either Epitaph or Fat Rack and I'd miss out on them again, but that would be my favorite favorite all-star band for sure. Uh, Fowler, I hope that answers your question. Um, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your family. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Thanks again.
3: Hey, this is Jordan from Faster and Louder Records in London, Ontario. And Jonathan, I just
1: want to know, what's the Youngstown, Ohio scene like the rest of the year? Hey, Jordy. Thanks for the question. Um, What is the Youngstown scene like the other times of the year? I know you're referencing uh, Mom's Basement Fest uh, that we got to uh, hang out with at and uh, your first exposure to uh, Youngstown in general and the West Side Bull, but a brief summary of what the Youngstown punk scene is like. Uh, I've been going to uh, punk shows in Youngstown since I was about 16 years old. Uh, The first bands uh, in Youngstown that I really got exposed to uh, were more uh, hardcore and metal bands uh, like Crowd Deterrent, Kitchen Knife Conspiracy, and Mr. Yuck and The Poison Control, um, those were the first exposure I had to Youngstown, and that scene was very, uh, hard hitting, uh, very, uh, very, uh, loud and very heavy, and um, that scene at the time was uh, was fun for a brief period in time, um, but uh, I started getting more into uh, what was going on uh, closer to me in uh, Western Pennsylvania at that time, but those were my first exposure to Youngstown. Um, Later on, uh, as I was playing in bands, uh, Youngstown scene was uh, changing a little bit. Uh, There was uh, still these hardcore bands going on, uh, but um, the sound was starting to change with more pop punk bands like Johnny Three, uh, The Reynolds, um, and then eventually Hollywood Blondes, um, more of that Ramones core style uh, pop punk sound that was coming through um, that I was going to a lot of shows, and that was in the early 2000s mid 2000s um the scene kind of changed and kind of morphed more into that and now recently um there's all different kinds of bands in youngstown i mean you still have your hardcore bands like um crowd deterrent um race ride 59 uh cold concrete papers um uh just you know there's so many different bands, Nervous Aggression, that, that, that are coming out that are still hard hitting and, and powerful. Uh, and then you uh, also have more and more of the popular sounding bands, um, like Two A.M., um, Gatlin. Um. Then you have ska stuff like uh the Sneaky Heat Missiles, and more of the uh, surfier kind of sound of like the Sediments. Um, you just, you just have all different kinds of, of, of sound that's coming out of of the Youngstown area. Uh, you even have like grungier stuff, kind of like less than expected. Um, just what's coming out of Youngstown now is just, there's just all different kinds of sounds. I mean, different flavors, um, a lot of variety and, you know, everybody that plays in these bands are, uh, super nice and super cool guys down to earth. Um, just they know where they come from. They come from a hardworking, uh, you know, working class mentality. Um, they were all raised very much the same way, you know, uh, All have a love of, of punk rock and hardcore and all are really dedicated to the craft and, uh, really wanting to get their bands heard and, and they, they craft some great songs. So I'm very part of what currently is going on in Youngstown right now. We have great venues. Uh, We have the Wick Yards, uh, Westside Bowl, Cedars, um, the Royal Oaks, just so many great venues that are going on. And I'm sure I'm not mentioning quite a few, but there's just something really special going on in Youngstown. And um, moving closer over to this area was the right decision. And I try to cover as many bands as I can within the local scene. And it's just important. And that was the genesis of doing this podcast is, Um, you know, having a listener know where I come from, uh, try to incorporate as many bands from the local area as I can within the podcast and, you know, hopefully people across the country and across the world can, um, have a deep appreciation for the bands that I love that are coming through here. Um, I just, I hope that answers your question and I hope, uh, everybody who listened to this episode, um, had fun. Uh, having the tables turned on me to answer some of these questions today. Um, this is to be the last episode of, uh, this is just a phase, uh, for the year. I'm going to take a couple weeks off, but, uh, look for me to come out with some incredible episodes here in the next month. And, uh, I have a blast doing this. Thank you to everybody who has come on the podcast. Um, the, the, the past two seasons, um, for everybody, thank you for everybody who has listened to this podcast, who enjoys, uh, what I do, even though, um, I may not be the best podcast in the world or, or, uh, the best quality podcast in the world, but I try my very best to get a great pro- product out there to you. And thank you to everybody who's a part of it. Uh, Thanks to everybody who goes out of their way to help promote the podcast. Uh, Thanks to everybody that um, really enjoys what we're doing. Uh, Thank you to all the bands I have the pleasure of getting to work with through This Is Just a Record Label. Uh, Thanks to my partner, Mike, uh, for being a great partner in the label with. And thank you to my wife and my children for supporting me through this. making this at times very, very, uh, uh, consuming, uh, hobby, uh, they, they deal with me very patiently and, uh, I'm very grateful and very honored to be able to continue to do this. So everybody happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy Ramachan, whatever you celebrate. Uh, May your family and everyone close to you are blessed this holiday season. And Happy New Year to everybody. Let's go into 2023 with a big bang. Love you all. Thanks again. Until next time. Bye.
2: suits of our boots singin'
0: The baby on. and here's
1: a bonus track for you the descendants christmas vacation